Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. The dam is breaking and this this is... 30 years of, of abject failure of commissioners and athletic directors. Pete Thamel! The commissioners are pissed at him, and they should be. Like, this is all he had to do. It's like, they'll think you had one job. And here's Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. No Pat 40 today. He's on vacation or something. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, slacking, not my problem. He ain't here. Pete is... I'm here. What more do you need? Right, Pete? Right. I mean, I, we will miss making fun of Pat and his like technological aversions and his, you know, affinity for uh, for heavy, expensive beers and swimming. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the, the swimming jokes. I almost feel bad about the swimming jokes because he gets a lot of swimming flack on Twitter. Everyone who wants to rip Pat on Twitter and there's plenty to rip on Pat for, as we know, but everyone just goes right to the swimming. Like, of course, he loves swimming. It saved him like two million dollars in college <laughs> tuition. <laughs> Like, like I love swimming. Like that, and that's probably in proxy. Like, got us like you know three nights of drinking off of Pat over the years, Dan. So we put up with the swimming talk too. I, I give him, yeah. And and actually, a swim swimming can be exciting. It also cannot be exciting. Uh, but it, on occasion, it can be exciting at the level that his kids swim. Not bad. Um, yep. But yeah, I was I was instructed when I was a young parent to avoid certain sports. Now, swimming, you can build great discipline. It's great for your kids, like, growth and development and all that and, and, and mental toughness and, and those things. But it's boring as hell for the parents, so don't do it. And so, you know, I was all about me not raising a good child. So <laughs> Billy O'Brien told me a funny story once. He's the youngest of, like, a handful of boys. I don't remember exactly what. And he said, like, he was the only one of his brothers who didn't play hockey because his parents were just like fed up with it. They're like, nope, we're good. You're not playing hockey. You're just playing, you're just playing football and basketball, you know, because hockey is like you know, 3 a.m. Yeah. wake up call. Like, yeah, none of that stuff. So I was also told not to that don't don't do hockey. And in my own in my own uh, youth, I was not allowed to play hockey. It's yeah. too expensive. Yeah, oh, I know. Was, I know a, Paul Wetzel. He's no sucker. He's not getting to the rink at 5 a.m. No. Like, no. no, no, there was a, a factory pond. And uh, it would ice over and you could go down there and play all you want when it got cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Same, just the same. It's amazing. I didn't make the Bruins. It's amazing. Yeah. They just no. never yeah, came I mean, and scouted the, the tack factory pond. Yeah. The South Shore of Boston should have been there. Would I would have would have had a different career. But anyway, <laughs> much better because now I get to talk college football and we don't need Pat because there is so much going on. This is oh. uh, insane. 
because we could start anywhere. I mean, these are bombshells everywhere. Let's start with the scheduling, okay? Because this is it. Can we get this going? Mon- we're doing this Monday night. We waited because we knew the pa- Big 12 was going to come up with an announcement. They have decided a 10-game schedule, nine conference, plus one. What is that plus one? We don't know. We're not sure who's scheduling who. American Athletic Conference, Big 12 Challenge or something, or... I don't know. Mountain. I mean, like Texas is going to Boise play U- State UTEP. is calling everyone. No, yeah. I mean they're <laughs> no, just going to they're going to they're going to take the, the the most delicate cream puff and devour them. I mean, it would be yeah, the most probably. college football thing ever if the season ends after week one and every Big Twelve team is one and zero because they've beaten like Missouri State, Illinois State, UTEP, like fill in the blank. Like that's yeah, you know. Probably. It, yeah, and they'd all claim national championships after going undefeated too. So there you go. All right. Well, that's probably it. I don't know if anyone has a big non-conference game, like a bit, you know, in the, I I mean, no one, the SEC games aren't going to happen. Anyway, uh, nine and one SEC has gone 10 games, all conference, no non-conference games. They are pushing their schedule back to late September. We have not at this moment know exactly when the big 12 wants to start playing. I will make my opinion that is uneducated as much as I talk to people. I do not know all the details. I think it's worth noting that the people who make these decisions know far more than I do. But my completely uneducated opinion is I would start as fast as possible. Try to get as many games in as possible. Um, I don't the pushback thing to me. uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I think you're just kicking. You're just kicking the inevitable down the road. Uh, I would start playing, but I'm not in charge and I don't have all the access. I think the worst thing you can do as a uh, purveyor of opinions is be completely certain. So it's the people who know the least are the most certain in America. And the people who know the most are freaking terrified of everything. And so uh, you don't go to a heart surgeon. He just says, yeah, I'm just going to just chop them open. Look around. (laughs) They got a plan. (laughs) <laughs> they got a plan. So what do you think of these two moves? Better to have something. Obviously, they've, the, the Big 12 and uh, the Big 10 and the Pac-12 were way ahead of the game for all the belly aching from the ACC, SEC, and uh, Big 12. We literally have one league willing to play one non-conference cupcake. That's it. So they were all complaining in early July. And let's face it. Nobody's talking in any way about playing like an entire season, right? Their best chance to play some games is to try to go first. Now, this is risky, but there's also some logic behind it. And, and the logic is this. I've talked to a half dozen coaches the last three days over the weekend, people checking in, trying to see what's going on. And they're like, we've never been more ready to start camp and play than right now. We've had our guys on campus four weeks, six weeks, whatever it is. We've had guys get COVID. We've gone through quarantine. We've gone through contact tracing. Guys understand they can't mess up. They've seen what happens with the Marlins. They saw what happened at Rutgers. They've had things pounded in their head. You can't go to parties. You have to avoid girls. Like, so if there is ever a moment where some, and I say some of college football is ready, it's right now. I, I agree with the coaches. I don't think anything in this country is getting better with this virus until there's a vaccine. And I don't see that, you know, I'm not, obviously, as you might know, not an expert on vaccine <laughs> or vaccine production, or uh, I don't even know You're what that- You're an expert on like bush light flavors. Yeah. That's pretty if much bush what li- I would, that would bush narrow- light could yeah. kill the virus, and maybe yeah. it is, because I haven't caught it yet. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably not the reason, but let's not break from what's working. There hasn't been so, much virus in Iowa, right? So like maybe there's something here. Like, could be, could be. I don't know. You don't know that. 
let's I, I'm going to keep what uh, what's working for me and, uh, you know, take those odds. I don't think anything's getting better. And if it gets better, it's a little better. But for the most part, you know, things are, are there's a lot of cases out there and, you know, deaths are up or this is a, you can look at it. It's not great. And so the longer we're trying this, the harder it's going to be. So I would start. And I hope they do, because it would be phenomenal. We would have games at the end of this month. Now, bad games, but um, games. New Mexico, New Mexico State would be downright. Yeah. Send like game Iron day. Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that game being played? Urlacher is the guest picker. I mean, let's yeah. do this. The UFO Bowl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it an Albuquerque no or in Las stands, Cruces? But can extraterrestrials show up? <laughs> no one's allowed at the game day either. They would just set up in an empty field yeah. with the view of the of the. Do it, Roswell. There. Get it done. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I don't even have to go to Las Cruces. Uh, so yes. Get dust off her locker. Get him down there. Let's Land do of this. Enchantment. I'm in. Yeah. Beautiful po- state. Beautiful pod, state. Pod road trip, right? Easy, easy drive for everybody. Didn't the governor say that they couldn't play or something? Came out with a recommendation in New Mexico. New Mexico State pretty much ignored her. That that's the short story. And I made a few calls, and they were like, "She's trying to. She's trying to. She's trying to." earn some shine and get her way on Biden's list. She's like a uh, she's like a Sunbelt coach hoping for an SEC job in the White House. And she probably needs to just go to Conference USA. That was the way it was explained to me. So and that's, just, that's how that's how you get it done by banning the Aggies <laughs> and the uh, and the Lobos. All right. She's just looking for no some politics. attention. It got some it got some. Uh, Let's I don't do know. this. Aggie Memorial Stadium will host it in Las Cruces. Beautiful town. Uh, all right. So, you know, I don't that's know. That's your anyway. guy, Mario, right, Dan? Yeah. yeah. I, I love everything down there. It's my area. You know, I'm a big El Paso guy. Obviously, they're rivals with the UTEP, but there's these two schools just stuck, just, just stuck in this long way yeah. from everywhere. Just a long way from everywhere. They've Halfway been really between... good at basketball the last couple of years. Really oh, good. Yeah. They hired Chris Jans. They, they are loaded. You watch them. They look like a, they look like an SEC team. Yeah, they, they do really well. It's a great, beautiful area. Halfway between Las Cruces and Albuquerque is uh, the great city of truth or consequences. Ooh. That's the name of the town. Just phenomenal. Yeah. Somebody literally named their town truth or consequences. Anyway, this has nothing to do with the college. We could have the game day there. All right. So that's is our Is New Mexico our, our new Iowa for 2020? Is that our, you know, remember last year on, the, on the pod, we just kept talking about Iowa. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter if you uh, yes. are from New Mexico. Let us know. Let us know you're out there. And we just didn't just waste <laughs> two minutes talking of five minutes or whatever, because the, uh, the other 49 states are getting a little ornery right now. So let's get to this. <laughs> the SEC is playing 10, all these conference, conference, conference. Now, there has been an undercurrent that this is, and we'll get to another story that may lead to this, but this is the start of these leagues breaking free. Uh, from the NCA, from the other schools, it's just going to be five power school, po- power five leagues, and all of that. I will ask you your opinion on it, whether this is the start towards that. I point to uh, the old Miss athletic director who said this isn't really very good for us because we don't have any easy victories. And I also would point to the fact that these schools all want seven or eight home games, and if you're going to play equal you get an equal number of home and an equal number of road like you do in the NFL. You can't go eight and four. And these guys need those. They need the Kent States. 
They need the the Monroes. They need the New Mexico states to make money. And so, and they need victories. So they make bowls and they look good and it hypes things up because we have a good record. So I don't think it's this, this is the case at all, but uh, there's lots of people who think this is the start of it. Your thoughts on that? Am I wrong or are the people on Twitter wrong? College football is sort of operated in this like caste system that like protects revenues, protects coaches, fills stadiums. Like it's just this like, cycle it's actually worse in college basketball than it is in college football because in college basketball they've managed to put like you know a third of the schedule filled with this like flotsam and jetsam in college football there's like less room for it and so what you're basically like you know if you're at sec school you basically have two or three games scheduled a year that are just a party program shows up and their explicit job is to just get mowed over and you go tailgate and you go in the student section you cheer you rah you go Everybody wins. The bars are filled. The restaurants are filled. The stadium at the big time places is mostly filled. And this is just sort of how we've evolved uh, because coaches at places like Ole Miss w- would rather go seven and five than play a great schedule and go four and eight. And so I it will be interesting to see if we do steer from that. There was a there was a movement about a year ago from athletic directors like that. Scott Strickland, Greg Byrne, John Curry, age athletic directors who basically stepped back and took a long look and they said, okay, our, our fans aren't excited about season tickets anymore because like some years, the way it falls, if you're at Florida and you've got Florida Atlantic and then you have South Carolina and, you know, another FIU and then, you know, Missouri like you can end up with really bad home years and they've just found their fans just being like, I'm only going to go to two of the seven home games or I'm going to go to three of the seven home games. And college football is increasingly, and it's priced this way, is an entertainment business. And what this generation of ADs is realizing is like, it's harder to keep fans engaged. You don't just show up like it's church on Sunday anymore. And so we need better schedules to do that. So I think some of the echoes we've seen with this with this scheduling movement of people saying we should do this, this should be the way it is, is really been spoken about privately by ADs, and, and some of them spoke on the record, for for like a couple of years. And they're almost like, this is almost like an interesting test to see how it goes. Now, I mean, Dan, I think you and I both don't actually think we're going to see all these games, but it would be interesting to see it played out and the ratings would go up, fan engagement would be higher, season tickets would be great if they were to sell them in a pandemic. Like there's a lot of positives that go into this. Yes and no, because I, I just, in the NFL, if you're if you start losing and you're out of contention, you're out of contention and people lose interest in the, in, in the NFL, the NFL literally has created it so they can get into December with like three quarters or four fifths of the league still having some kind of shot at a playoff, but you would have more engagement because you're not look this year doesn't count because you're playing 10 good games, which is about what you play anyway. Maybe you play nine, but, uh, and, so you're just not having these other games if if this thing went out. But, I mean, you start 0-5, you're done. Yeah. It, that hap- That's going to happen, like, all the time. Like, Ole Miss, if you're Ole Miss, you want to get a couple – you want three wins, man. You want to yeah. be like, hey, we're still 3-3, three and three, we're still 4-3. and three. And, and you're going to – you just start playing SEC teams – 
And so, yeah, Alabama might might be for it. I don't know why Alabama, these guys, would really change anything. Um, but I, I, I know there is that movement and there is problems with attendance. Um, I think one of the problems of college football is is they probably their stadiums are just too big at this point that the, the it's a change in the way people consume do entertainment. That's why you see baseball stadiums get smaller NBA like NBA stadiums smaller. I think Baylor is making their basketball stadium smaller and it's going to mm-hmm. be more of like a 6,000 seat, like a great atmosphere. Cause the idea that you just fill that thing up every time those days are over. So, you know, I, but I, man, you start bad. No one's coming to your games. Uh, they're just they're going to stop coming, and he might sit there and say oh, it's an SEC game. But you're like, yeah, we're playing Missouri. We're zero and five. Eh. I don't know that you won't have the same problem as you would trying to sell La Tech early in the year. But uh, so I, I think every action has a reaction. A third of the way through the season, college football more than any other sport still delivers hope, right? Like what those early season games do is they give you hope. The new transfer is working out. Our freshman quarterback's promising. Now, is it realistic? No. But college sports fans are beautifully unrealistic and have been for a very long time, right? And if you play a pro-type schedule, you know, like you take away that September of hope and the October of hope and that big game when we're both 4-0 and Missouri's playing South Carolina and we get to see how good they are, like that's gone. And that's gone. And the climb... From the bottom third to the top third is pretty much untenable. Look at like Bill Snyder, the great architect or whatever. Look at his non He played UMass three times for two decades, right? Like, I mean, that was like, I swear they, they didn't go home and home. They just, hey, come UMass, hey, come back, come back next week. You know, like they just played so many garbage teams. And if you look at like Duke football under David Cutcliffe, it's this golden era of Duke football. They have the worst non-conference schedules. Now they did play Alabama a season or two ago, but like for the most part, Duke is like stretching to play Tulane. And after that, it is like one double A military academy. And, you know, there's just there is just no competition. And that is how you there is a there is a recipe to relevancy and hope. And that scheduling model, I think, will be hard to pass because it will eliminate that at a lot of places. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a win. For, yeah, look at the glory years of Rutgers football. I mean, that thing was they used to get to play five non-conference games because the Big East was so small. Mm-hmm. That. There was only an 18 league. And so then and then some of the Big East wasn't that good. So you basically had like a Louisville and a West. That was about all Rutgers yeah. ever had to beat. And yeah. it was, I mean, you know, and they, they literally got in the Big Ten with that smoke and mirror show. And yeah. then, you know, so and, and look at if you look at an NFL schedule, they do the schedule release and they're oh, no, look at who we're starting with. You know, here come the Patriots and the Chiefs and the uh, like someone's draw an LSU Bama first two on the road. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to your season, man. Yeah. Two weeks in and, and you'd lost 114 to zero mm-hmm. and, and you're going in. And, and so you lose that hope, that idea of growing. So I think it's a terrible idea as much as I don't want to watch these things. And I don't. And I understand the th- it's it has a whole different ball game. Also, just the, the wear and tear on the players. I mean, it's really hard. You talk, you, you know, like you talk to Notre Dame, but, but Brian Kelly, man, it's hard. Like they, and they still have a few games in there that are kind of, you know, they usually get one team that's pretty easy. And then you get the academies or something, but still, man, Navy ain't that easy. And you figure it out. It's like you're on the road all the time, flying all over. All of a sudden, your 12 games are six home, six away. And you're hoping that the TV money comes through. 
Would it? Maybe, but they're already getting their LSU Bama. They're already getting their, I, I would think if you want to make the TV money, you, you low, you kick some teams out of your league and, and get a little tougher on your, you know, have better league games. But I think that thing is a, I think that thing's a problem. So I wouldn't go with that, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. All right, I think part- the only thing that could get us there is if TV demanded it, if they wanted more high-end inventory, if they didn't want Kentucky Austin P on the SEC network and they wanted Kentucky Vanderbilt. Or, yeah, I mean, that's all you're, you're I mean, not really getting. Vanderbilt's on every week in the SEC network. Anyway. Right, my get. get the JP network back, man. Jefferson yeah. Pilot. Let's bring it back. 11 a.m., the three days. All right. The other possible blow-up of the NCA that I'm hearing about this week is um, the NCA may cancel all the fall sports. Personally, I think this will give the major schools cover to say we ain't doing them either. We're cutting it back, and we can only do football. Others think that the schools will break away, create their own championships this year, just fund their own Power 5 field hockey championships, all of that, and this will be the start of the breakaway from the Power 5 from the NCAA. I am. I know that this gets talked about. I know it's a parlor game. I can, I've heard all the arguments. I still don't understand the benefit of destroying the NCAA. These schools pretty much run the NCA. The NCA is really good for them. They don't pay taxes. It, 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 like it's working for these schools. I, I think there's more like the NCA sucks. It's just sort of a concept. But when you really look at it, you're like, well, our football program made 140 million dollars last year. Like things are going all right here, and we only played three meaningful games. So I don't see that. But what do you think? And what are you hearing? So. The NCAA Board of Governors meets Tuesday. The expectation, from what I've told, and nobody really knows what, like, 30 random academics, Grant Hill, a former Surgeon General, you know, the tree guy from uh, from Greenwood coming over. Like, it's just a random collection of people. So no one can predict. But the expectation among athletic directors, what they've been told at the presidential level from people I've spoken to this week, is that they're just going to kick the can down the road again for D1. D2 and D3 championships will probably get canceled, and they're just going to let D1 go on its own island. I think some of the vitriol uh, that we saw this week about the breakaway, Pat and Ross Dellinger did some of that at Sports Illustrated, and, you know, some stuff about Emirates' tenure maybe, uh, you know, being in peril. I think some of that was a little bit of like, hey, man, you better, like, not let this random board of governors make the decision for college football. I think it was like some shots across the bow by people in the AD space because they're basically like, what a disaster this would be if the Emporia State president and the South Carolina Aiken president end up indirectly determining the fate of college football. Now, I think most athletic directors that you talk to and most coaches that you talk to really don't think there is going to be much of a recognizable form of a season. They could start, but like in terms of with students coming back and all the things we've talked about in past pods, like a coherent, fluid season seems very, very unlikely. So basically... What the athletic directors don't want, Dan, is they don't want this Star Wars bar of presidents determining the fate of football. So the expectation is it gets punted again at the D1 level, maybe not D2 and D3. So and I would just I would I would I would think that's a pretty reasonable place to end up. Agree. I do not think the I I think that's that's I think that is reasonable. We'll see. Um, I'm still skeptical of the we're moving on thing. Uh, It's one of those things that sounds good, but. Uh, could be wrong. One of these days, I might be wrong. All right. We have endless amounts of news this week. So let's get to this. 
Pac-12 players dropped this little bombshell over the weekend. There are hundreds of them, supposedly, willing to boycott the season, sit out the season unless some of their demands or all of their demands are met. Now, this is a long time coming. We've been waiting for, there's always been these rumors dating back to like the old UNLV basketball teams and the Fab Five where they like not take the court during a Final Four and, and ask for these things. But uh, here we are. I don't, I don't know. Some of these demands are, uh, I certainly understand where they're coming from, literally impossible probably to even get done by, uh, by August 29th. I think this is a uh, looking for a seat at the table or looking for something. But here are the demands, health and safety, opt-outs without penalty, third party selected to by players to enforce rules, obviously have the COVID concerns. They want schools like Stanford to dive into their endowment fund to, to protect all the sports. Uh, they rip uh, lavish spending, facilities, all these different things. They want end racial injustice in college sports. Uh, they want 2% of all conference revenue to go to financial aid for low-income uh, African-American students. Uh, there is economic concerns. This is, a, this is a big one. 50% of all revenue to athletes, a six-year scholarship, one-time transfer rule, uh, a variety of things. I mean, this is the, this is the dream list, if you will, uh, the NCPA and 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 many people who have demanded these things. So I was I dove into this pretty hard this weekend. I, I first heard about it uh, Friday morning, and then you know spent a lot of time on the phone with with Pac-12 coaches who didn't know a lot about it, and they honestly still don't know a lot about it. You know, come come Monday after a few that I after a few that I spoke with. I love the ideal of it. I love the the asks for social justice, for racial equality. For health insurance, I think the health insurance ask is a great ask, and that's something that's uh, that's something that's really overdue. Obviously, safety is tantamount. I, I've just heard too much, Dan, over the last six weeks of like too many programs who like just aren't testing as like a philosophy, basically. You know, we'll only test systematic guys, and like so, kids are scared. I, I do think one of the things I gleaned this weekend, calling around, is that there's an undercurrent of like players who are nervous, and I really think that like the environment right now. And there's so many unknowns with COVID. You saw the story from Indiana on Monday of the, of the mom right about her son's heart. You saw what happened to the Red Sox pitcher, Eduardo Rodriguez ended up with some inflammation around his heart. He's out for the year. He obviously, uh, he obviously had COVID and was fighting through that. Like you talk to every coach, like players want to play, players want to play. No one wants to play more than the players. I mean, in, in defense of these players, they pretty much spent June, July, uh, all cooped up, you know, some to varying degrees of weeks, and living like these monastic lives, you know, pretty much just like working out, going to their dorms, not hanging out and doing the things people would normally do in the summer in college. And so like, I, like, of course they want to play. They've made all these sacrifices. They're elite athletes. They're competitive to get to that level. I don't think this Pac-12 thing is going to like cause some like fundamental breakthrough or be some like huge tipping point. I, I do think it's important. It's a seminal moment in the fact that there could be there could be more of it. I really do think it does underscore the uncertainty right now from the players' standpoint, and I'm glad that the players do have a uh, do maybe have more of a voice from this. All that said, a couple of the demands were just like foolish. I mean, Ramogi Humo, who's obviously you know been been working as an athlete advocate for at least 15 years, right, Dan? I mean, maybe longer. I mean, he's longer. Been, probably. He's been around. Yeah. yeah, he's been around for a long time. Played football at U UCLA in, in the late 90s. Like he's sort of masterminded and orchestrated this. He's tried to make it look like it was an organic movement from the players. And that's really just not true. Like for him 
to be recommending like the 50% cut, like that's just like, he, he knows better than that. Like you, you've you got to be better than that. Like you've just, if you want to be taken seriously, you have to know how an endowment works, right? Like there are just some things that like, that were like a little bit disappointing if you want a sheet at the table. But for the most part, like there's, there's a lot of, you know, say there's about 20 demands in there. Like a, a majority of them are good. The players should be heard. There should be uniform, consistent, health protocols at every school within a conference at the very least, especially if you're going to play conference only. So I do think they, you know, like it, it, one of the things I heard from some people close to the players, like Friday, Saturday before this broke was like, they really felt like Larry Scott was really weakened right now as a commissioner and the PAC 12 was going to be vulnerable. You know, we really have to listen to them. So Again, some of the messages were muddled, but but overall, I think it's uh, it's a positive. And, you know, the column I wrote on Yahoo on Sunday night, Monday was basically like, this is what the world's going to look like. The players have a bigger voice. And the two things that are going to amplify the power of the players are name, image and likeness and the ability to transfer on the spot. So having to respond to player demands, requests, et cetera, even in, even if they're a little bit ridiculous, like some of these Pac-12 ones are, that's just like this is like the new part of college sports we need to embrace and accept the demands. So, every one of them has a, has a point and some of them are better than others. Some are, I, I agree. Some of this is just ridiculous. So a 50%, I mean, you have to fight like hell if you're a, a player's union in pro sports to, to secure that. Like that's, that, that is, that is an NFL PA thing. Like, and we get 50%. Oh, and six years of scholarship and six years of uh, healthcare. Like that's a better deal than you're getting in pro football, probably. So you're asking for an enormous amount there. I'm not saying this is wrong, but you know that 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 system can't work. No school, and I'm not saying it's right that it's set up this way, but the football program funds as much of, if not all of, all the other teams. And so the moment you say we're taking 50% out of that, you're no longer going to have 50% of your revenue, which for some of these athletic departments can be, you know, we're talking 50, $60 million or even more in football revenue. You can't have all your other teams. So now the school has to fund them. And I, I totally get that. Look at like why, look, if, if, if Ohio state wants to have a, 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 a field hockey team, then Ohio state can fund a field hockey team. Why make, the football players fund the field hockey team. I get all that, but the idea that this is going to all go down, but in, in the next three weeks, is is just. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just not happening. When you're talking about name, image, and likeness, you're saying that the university sh shouldn't get in the way of players making a living. The same way they don't get in the way of the theater major who gets a job. Uh, in the summer, performing somewhere. Or when we were student journalists, they didn't get in the way of us being able to work in the summer somewhere else or, or freelancing or stringing for other papers and things like that. You can't control my economic interests just because I, I play here. That is one thing. Saying you owe me half the money is a completely different thing. Now you're truly employees. And, and I'm, I'm down for the name, image, and likeness and have been forever. I am not necessarily down to pay the players. I think if you get out, they are paid. They're paid with a scholarship. They're paid with room and board and all those things. They do get paid. They, you, it may not be what they're totally worth. To come up with, we get 50% of the revenues, a, a different ballgame. Uh, so 
this thing was a little bit much for me. And I'm not exactly the establishment. Uh, <laughs> Dan, just stop <laughs> sucking up to the NCA, man. You know, like, I was like, first it was the BCS and you were just up there tail. And now it's the NCAA. This is like, this is like rolling my eye. Even when I'm rolling my eyes at some of the stuff, I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You're, you're getting all of that in the next three weeks, really? Okay. And a season that nobody even wants to play. Like, I'm not yeah. so sure the Pac-12 schools wouldn't be like, uh, we can't play. It's your fault. Right. Just be like, yeah. it's your guys. Like they'll, they'll just shove the blame on you. I don't think they're going to engage in this, but we'll, we'll, we will see. So a lot of really good substantive points, but yeah, I don't, I, I just don't know where this is heading, but this comes back to the dragging the feet on the name, image, and likeness it comes back to, to not answering so many of these concerns for so long and just taking the money and spending and spending and spending and, and ignoring this that, you know, the dam breaks one day and, and this is where we're at. The dam is breaking. And this this is 30 years of, of abject failure of commissioners and athletic directors and NCA presidents and, and uh, all of that. Mark Emmerich, you know, his his tenure, as you and I have both written, is, is pretty much been, a, you know, unmitigated disaster. And his chance to shave it was figuring out a name, image, and likeness. Like, this isn't, name, image, and likeness isn't some, like, new hot issue. It's been simmering for a decade. And name, image, and likeness was, like, the easy way out for college athletics. It was, oh, you want to get paid? You can go get paid on the outside. We can keep bringing in our billions uninterrupted. You just have to go find your own sources of revenue. It was, like, the ultimate out. And essentially led by Mark Emmert, but throughout college athletics, everyone was so clinging onto their slice of the cookie so hard that they couldn't even like look ahead of their nose and think, you know what? Maybe it's smart. Like we're making billions now on our NCAA TV deal. We're making billions now on our television deal. We've got like conference heads of marketing make over a half million dollars. Like I always look at like the Pac-12 when they list like Larry Scott's making $5.3 million. Like that, you know, it's just like laugh out loud funny. Like the, the you eternal- get you get twenty million to Jim Delaney. Yes, yeah, twenty million dollars yes. off a TV yeah. car. You have a million dollar bowl directors. They don't yes. even they don't even work in the things, right? <laughs> so there's that's so a lot bad. of golf, man. That's not easy, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I used to say to these guys, why are you letting you know the great John Junker from from the Fiesta Bowl who got ended up like I think he got. In, he gets in jail. Got, yeah, in he jail. went to jail for the fraud yeah. and everything that was going on there. He had four country club memberships. <laughs> he was spending insane amount of money. He bid. He bid like ninety grand. I can't remember all the stuff we had uh, to play golf with Jack Nicholas. Like, yeah. just profiting millions off of the one game. <laughs> and the, and you say to the ads and the commissioners, the, "Well, John's a good guy." And you go, "Well, what about a stipend for uh, you know?" Uh, the, oh heck no! These kids are enough. They got enough. And you can't do that for this long and not expect everyone to be against you. And all of a sudden people to say, screw it, we ain't playing. Let's give us half the money. Okay, that's not happening. But this is where you're at. You guys, you allowed yourselves to do this for so long. What, you know, what sympathy am I going to have for you? Even when these these some of these demands are just like, really? Pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And the slaughter has begun. 
And that's all. That's simply all that's happened here. Mark Emmert made four million two years ago. He made three million last year. You know, he started ten years ago at nine hundred thousand dollars, which, in fairness, is about what university high-end university presidents make. And he was the president at Washington, and there's a president at, at LSU. Like, that's that's a reasonable salary. But these is guys he doing just four like, times as good a job. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if anything, yeah. he should be making like 250000 now if it was actually based on performance. Right. But Mark Emmert's defining failure that will be tied to his departure from the NCAA was bungling name, image and likeness. The commissioners, the powerful people in the sport were like, Mark, you need to get ahead of this. Right. And, and we've talked about this in the podcast. Mark Emmert's tenure at the NCAA has been like a long Seinfeld episode. It's been a tenure about nothing. He's just taken bullets for the presidents and kept the checks cashing. I think there was one NCAA TV deal in there. Now, like Mr. Magoo and, you know, my three-year-old godson could negotiate an NCAA TV contract. Like, it's just like it's printing money with with CBS. And I'm oversimplifying it a little bit. But like Mark Emmert basically had a chance to forge college sports forward. He said, here's name, image, and likeness. This is what it's going to look like. And instead... Um, it's, it's funny, a a basketball coach called me on Saturday and he was like, I need to get on the phone with people who are experts in name, image, and likeness. And I laughed and I was like, I'd love to send it to them, but we don't know what name, image, and likeness is yet. But there's yet there. I sent them to people. There is a cottage industry in college athletics being built around. This is how overdue it is. It's like everyone sees this is so obvious to everyone that literally people are starting companies and businesses and hiring high-end consultants to start name, image, and likeness businesses when we don't even know what name, image, and likeness is going to look like. And that said, Emmerich basically failed to do this. The commissioners are pissed at him, and they should be. Like, this is all he had to do. It's like the whole thing. You had one job. This was essentially his only job. His job was to his job was to take this on head on. And now he's going to Congress, and he's getting smacked around like a pinata. He has every governor of every state, you know, posting him up like, he has just basically made himself the punching bag for and it'll eventually get him knocked out. Yeah. And I would go back to Miles Brand and Cedric Dempsey. I mean, these are not new things. The, the, nothing got done for years. Miles Brand was more interested in making sure North Dakota wasn't called the fighting suit. Like that was his it's what he spent his time on. And, and, you know, we just kicked the can. And and it's it's all of these commissioners. And on all of these, the, the big power ADs, they just sat there and did nothing and, and, and let all the ever, yeah, Mark Emmert making four. If, if you pay somebody so they won't leave, that's why you pay yes. somebody. Yeah. Okay. You pay, what amount of money do we have to pay you so you don't go look for another job? That's why you pay. So that's what someone's worth. So if Mark Emmert was making $900,000, was somebody coming along and offering him two, three, four million dollars to leave? If so, let them go. Yeah. See you later, Mark. We'll find someone else. There's no need to quadruple, but they take it. There's no, the idea of the Big Ten commissioner making $20 million in negotiating fees off of a television contract. You don't own the league. You don't own the Big Ten, but they think they do. And so they take that kind of money. That is appalling. There's zero excuse to it. I got no problem with Coach K making $7 million or or Nick Saban making seven. Those guys are worth it. Because you know what? Someone is comes and goes, hey, we're the Boston Celtics. We want you. We're the Lakers. We Nick Saban get a job. You got to pay those guys. I'll at least say this for Delaney. At least he created the TV network that 
has made that league billions. All right. Now, again, compared to Mark Emmerich, compared to Mark Emmerich, who's done nothing, compared to Larry Scott, who's really underperformed. You want to talk about a guy who's not like worth his salary. He signed him to a bad he signed him to a bad television deal and then put all his eggs in a failing television network. They own all of it. And that's like basically his huge bet which is now being undercut by the underperforming league that doesn't have the finances to compete with the other leagues. I mean, it's just ba- it's bad every way possible. And again, should Delaney get 20 million? Of course he shouldn't. But at least he like performed financially at a high level. For and he his was league. paid five and a half million dollars to perform financially. He was already making you don't own the league. <laughs> you don't own the Big Ten network. Those schools own it. It's just too much. I Let's don't go blame back to the Pac-12. We, we we got down, like, sidetracked on some of our favorite greatest hits anyway. of uh, overpaid commissioners. Let me ask you this about the Pac-12, Dan. Practice, let's say practice starts, camp starts uh, August 7th, right? Now, there's this pushback. But, like, how many Pac-12 players are actually willing to sit out for this cause? Like, that's my question. Like, is it a dozen? Is it dozens? It ain't hundreds. Like, how many Pac-12 players are willing to sit for this, specifically this We Are United cause? I think there's going to be a lot of kids sitting out. I, I think they didn't expect as many people in the NFL to sit out that sat out in the NFL. Now, True, there's some different they, deals. They have some money that they are. They have money and sit there and say, I don't want the job this year. I, I have I have the 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 security to sit back out. I think there'll be, I don't know. I, I would say dozens. It's not going to be hundreds. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think well, that'll crack. It usually does. It's easy to, to sign a paper yeah. or you didn't even sign anything. You're just yeah, saying, retweet. yeah, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you saw something like, I think Trevor Lawrence kind of gave a tacit approval to one of the guy's statements yeah. or something like that. And I think Trevor Lawrence, I got to say, Trevor Lawrence is like the, the first athlete, like the first prominent person in college athletics to sport Black Lives Matter. And then jumping in on this, didn't see that plot twist coming. I, I don't know Trevor on that level, but very interesting that he's, he's yeah. willing to step up. Nobody asked him for either of these statements. He just yeah. was willing to step out there and do those things. But <laughs> Trevor Lawrence going to be there. Yeah. So I think most of the guys will still play. And again, I, I think, but I also think there's going to be the health concerns. There's going to be, this is going to be a really rocky month of, of who's on the team, who isn't. And and then there's still going to be that risk. Yeah. You can sit out. I mean, we saw Washington state, you want to sit out where well, you're really out. You, you, you don't get to work out and then just not go to the games. Like you're away from the team, which I think is fair. Uh, yeah. I don't think you should be, be saying if you're part of this, I'm going to not have you in the future. But there's a lot of risk, and it, it, it's going to go back and forth. So it's this is just unprecedented. This is an unprecedented move already in an unprecedented time. Yeah. Well, go back to Trevor Lawrence very quick. He's had a really good pandemic, if you will, because not only did he support Black Lives Matter in a really thoughtful and articulate way, much more so than his coach, he also raised a ton of money for charity and really pushed others to do it with the publicity that came with that. And I really thought, you know, I mean, like, look, for, for not playing a game, he's had a great year. And, uh, you know, and I think that's the next thing to look for, Dan, is at what point in this strategy of push, push, hope that we're seeing these leagues employ, do the high end guys start to be like, you know what, I'm out of here. Like, I'm like, you know, we obviously saw Caleb Varley. Like, I think there is more of that coming. The agents smell blood. They're circling. And I do think like the distinction, the Pac-12 that I'm curious about and the distinction coming up is like, 
How many of these guys are going to opt out because of COVID? And how many are them going to opt out for the cause? Because they're those are two very different things. But you say you're you're out for the cause is a lot easier to say than I'm out for COVID. I don't think so. Well, you got to look at your coaches. That, depends, that's the thing. Depends it's, it's easy who, to make I a I guess retweet. depends who you care the audience is, right? Like, yeah, I'm taking a principled stance. I've had enough of Mark Emmert making $4 million. I won't play. Or I don't want to do it because of COVID. I don't know. It's That's a good question. There'll be different yeah. audiences will approve of, of different ones. Yeah. Well, if you, if you shit because of COVID, you don't have to say anything. And nobody has to know you shit. Like, at some of these schools that don't let the reporters go to practice, nobody you might even know. Like, because we're probably not going to play games, right? So, like, you could just opt out for COVID. At, at a certain point, players are going to do that because they're like, this season's going to suck. I might as well protect a year, push it back. Maybe you can get a grad year. Like at, at a certain point, it becomes strategy, right? Like I think in the NFL now, they they moved up that opt-out date, which is like classic NFL treating the players like robots NFL move. But I think they they thought that they thought players were trying to like game the opt-out system, right? Like, ah, I'll take 350 grand or oh, I'm only going to get one more big payday. I'm going to push it because I don't think it's going to happen. Like, so I just think players are going to start to like look at the landscape. Be like, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm just going to, you know, go work out for a year. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence, guy like that, really hard to say you should go back and play other than you just love Clemson. I mean, it's just a really hard. I, I hope he plays. I hope there's a season and I hope he plays for my selfish entertainment. But like. Dude, you're number one pick. You know, like you, you're it's it's that's in the bank. Take a seat, go yeah. home, work out. He's got engaged. Everything's good. You know, you did enough for Clemson. You don't owe anything to Clemson. Huh. Um, you know, you've done plenty for Clemson, but yeah, we'll see. It's it's yeah. it's tough. I don't know. This is going to yeah. be the next month is crazy, and this thing just added into the uh, to the enjoyment of the uh, chaos. Yeah. Of this. Lunatic sport. Oh, by the way, quick update from earlier in the podcast. The Big 12 is officially announced while we were on the air here. The Big 12 conference play will start mid to late September. The non-conference game can be played whenever. Now, right now, so this adds to the excitement of week zero in in down there in the uh, in the Rio Grande area of West Texas, southern New Mexico. Right now, Texas Tech would play uh, UTEP in the Sun Bowl, and New Mexico and New Mexico State would play in Las Cruces. I-10, baby. It's the greatest thing since Alice the Burrito Lady set up down there in New Mexico. (laughs) This could be the center. Can we do a live pod from Alice's and just celebrate beautiful Southwestern football? Oh, my God. I mean, it'd be incredible. That could be it. That's your double dip. I don't know if we're getting better than Texas Tech, UTEP. And New Mexico, New Mexico State. And I say that uh, with a pain in my heart, but I'll take it at this point. Like, I'm legitimately happy if I get to watch that back to back. Like, I would be so happy. And now. Can you picture Dan on the couch, tears of joy going into his bush light? (laughs) Dude, I'm watching watching random hockey games right now, midday. The NBA tournament's phenomenal. NBA AU. (laughs) They just just an AAU tournament. They're just playing all day games. You're like, who's up now? Zion's on next. All right, up. Oh, here comes LeBron. This is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It was jarring this weekend. Like, we've gone from being starved for sports to being a little bit like, oh, I almost have like two. Like, last night I was like, do I watch the Rockets? Do I watch Red Sox Yankees? Like, I'm like, I'm like, overload, overload. Don't know what to do. Phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, we oh, got the gosh. PGA Championship this weekend. I mean, yeah. NASCAR. I mean, it's, yeah. yeah, it's phenomenal right now. So, um, but yes, I would be 
I would be absolutely fired up if we get that done. Uh, we'll see. I guess you have to play a team in state. I don't know. We'll see. I hope we get the uh, let's do this week zero. Do the week zero. Just get going. Get cranking. It might be a total abject failure, but hey, you know, I mean, I'm just a selfish uh, <laughs> columnist <laughs> podcast host. <laughs> All right. We'll do. I like Dan's one. giggle when he makes himself laugh. It's like different than his other laugh. <laughs> I have nothing. I have. No, I have no good reason to demand a bunch of kids in New Mexico play football. Except what was the moral ground on this? Well, I didn't take twenty million uh, off the Big. Tw- I didn't. I didn't embezzle twenty million from the Big Ten network. Uh, all right. The state of Mississippi is looking for a new flag, as we know. It's uh, an off-season story spurred by whole bunch of football players down there saying enough and that Mississippi finally got rid of their uh, the Confederate flag on their flag. So they opened up suggestions for new flag, the new flag design, and you can vote for these. Now, this is a non-binding election, as I understand it. I can't imagine because if not, then I'm going to really lead this charge. But um, I don't know if you saw this, but one of the designs Uh, potential designs, suggested designs of the state of Mississippi's new flag is Elijah Moore in the dog urine, taking the dog piss. Now, I don't know that this will win, but uh, seems to me uh, this would be a good good choice. There's also one with just the SEC logo and in God we trust. And there was another one with Michelob Ultras and a lobster, which I didn't quite understand. There's a whole bunch of them here. I can't imagine there's a lot of good lobster in Mississippi. I don't I want to sound like a Northeast was. elitist. I, I love a lot about Mississippi. I'll, I'll eat your brisket all day, your, yeah, your crawfish, your catfish. But Maybe. Is it a crawfish? Is it not a lobster? I don't know. I would think it's a crawfish, yeah. I would I think so. I haven't seen it. Yet. I'm reading Sully's recap. I blame no. him. Yeah, I mean, lobster's like cold water. They want to be in cold water, so... <laughs> So uh, what do you think? Could we get the, uh, the the famed touchdown celebration on the Mississippi State flag? And would that be appropriate? Um, you know, what if it's just an egg on the flag, right? Like we love like if, if there's any podcast that loves the Egg Bowl, it's this podcast, right? Like we have spent a lot of time talking about the state of Mississippi. We spent a lot of time talking about the Egg Bowl and we really enjoy the pure, unadulterated, unfiltered hate that goes through that game. It just is rife in the stadium. And uh, I really think like the egg bowl to me symbolizes Mississippi. So why not just like a big old hard boiled egg, maybe like a little halo on it or something. Is the egg hard boiled or is it raw? Do we know what's in the egg bowl? What what kind of egg is the egg bowl about? Isn't it really just a bowl? It's not an egg. If Pat was here, he would he would tell us, uh, you know, like the history of the egg bowl and some story about, you know, some ag student in 1862 and everything like that. But luckily, Pat's not here. So we're not we don't yeah, get bored with, the history really bored with that. I'm going I'm going to go vote and uh, I'm going to vote for uh, for Elijah. Anyway, uh, there'll probably be some Magnolia or something like that. Uh, <laughs> the only rule is it must include the words in God we trust. It must. And it must. There are two rules must include in God we trust. And it must not include a Confederate symbol. The Confederate symbol. That's it. Two rules. All right. See, it makes it's it a lot easier. Canvas. Can't break the rules. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all right. That's all we got. Too much info. It's chaos in college yeah. sports. We love it. Yeah. Hopefully we play some games this month. Uh, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends about us. Share us on social media. 
and uh, enjoy. Uh, we'll be back Thursday, probably a little more clarity on what's happening uh, or at least new uh, new adventures in college uh, sports. Talk to you then. Yeah. And we may be live from Las Cruces, so that, would, that everyone would win. Uh, we're not ruling it out. Let's just say I'm that. Mike Lizikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. We're the hosts of Skullduggery, a podcast that not only breaks down the news, but also breaks news. We deliver authoritative analysis while drawing intriguing historical parallels from our decades of covering D.C. scandals. With our current focus on the president and his administration's handling of the coronavirus, to the 2020 elections, we interview those helping to shape the stories. So subscribe to and download Skullduggery wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod.